When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Hello and welcome to episode 95 of Podalumini. Yeah, so I'm going to be talking in this episode to a man called Dan Bell, who's a casting director a casting agent casting agent uh, yeah in uh, la uh but also a former actor who appeared in wayne's world and dark man starring liam newson among other films he also manages a band his uh, son's band called love ghost and uh, i of course am the father to uh, the bass player of a band called Modern Love and um, well Love Ghost wanted to come over to Ireland and do a tour and I thought well why not uh, put together a tour of the two bands together and uh, that I did uh, and uh, the um, uh, fruits of that matured over the Christmas period uh, they played the Roaching Dove Whelan's in Dublin uh, the Crane Lane in Cork, Clears in Kilkenny, and the Spirit Store in Dundalk. And then we had a little private gig in Drogheda. And uh, had a interesting time touring around with a band. I was practically the roadie for most of that well not the roadie I was the driver I drove the band uh, I occasionally did lift equipment and carried it in and out of venues um, a thing that uh, I um, have great admiration for any band who who has to travel around and tour and, and do all that and don't have a crew to carry the equipment for I mean as a stand-up comedian um I probably have more to do than most stand-up comedians because I actually bring a guitar with me. Most stand-up comedians, we arrive into a venue, there's a mic on a mic stand. You may go up and go one, two, one, two, and uh, that would be the sound check. And um, then you do your gig, walk off stage, and you could practically walk straight off the stage and out of the venue and into your car and be gone in 10 minutes but if you're in a band 
God bless you people in bands, particularly drummers who have to carry all that equipment and they don't even get to be at the front of the stage. The singer gets all the admiration. But uh, yeah, it was a nice little tour. Um, So it's interesting times we're living in when uh, the president of the United States of America is or has been or has been discussed by the FBI whether he is actually at the behest of Russia that he's taking orders from Russia the president of the United States of America could be taking orders from Russia and this is a president that is backed by the right wing uh, Christians and the um, white supremacists. You would have thought people who were very in the in the in my day growing up, Russia was the big enemy, and uh, now they don't give a shit. They're they're quite happy to have a president who may be taking orders from Russia. Um, uh, it's a very strange time altogether, and the whole wall thing. Because I read an article recently the about um, the fact that uh, uh, you're kind of born or at least uh, you have very little choice on whether you're conservative or liberal. In fact, that it's just the way you are, like you're right-handed or left-handed or that uh, you have curly hair or straight hair, you're liberal or, or conservative. Obviously, there's a sliding scale, but in general that uh, liberal people uh, just would be have a more open attitude and wouldn't be so um, and it's like it's all linked to disgust your your levels of disgust so if you're easily disgusted by things like uh, rotting meat perhaps or uh, that kind of thing uh, then you would be uh, conservative if you're not that easily disgusted, you'd be liberal. And that all comes down to why you might want to have a wall built or uh, you might want a border around your country because you're uh, more conservative and you're f- just more afraid of uh, being infected or having outside um, things coming in and uh, disrupting the order. And uh, of course, a bit extreme when uh, when uh, you just can't abide by anybody who's different than your own race as such. Although I don't believe in races, even uh, um, I just think there's a difference in skin color and culture. But I don't believe in the fact that there are different races. I mean, it's a load of baloney it's a load of baloney but i do remember thinking about that so foreign influences and i grew up in a in a time when um for the first i'm sure 18 years of my life i had my dinner was potatoes vegetables meat not in any way mixed the potatoes were boiled usually sometimes mashed sometimes just boiled potato sometimes roasted that would be about the size of it occasionally we might have home might fry them in a chipper chippy thing i think we had one of those things 
Now we just fried them in a pot of boiling oil. So occasionally chips. Uh, but that's potatoes. They were there on their their uh, one third of the plate. Then there was the vegetables. Bo- definitely boiled. Just boiled. Boiled carrots. No broccoli. Jesus. Parsnips. Carrots. Turnip. I can't think of any other veg that was popular at the time. And then there was meat. Oh, cabbage. Of course, cabbage. And then there was meat, and that had its own. That was on its own, and that was either boiled or roasted. Roasted chicken. Probably boiled bacon. Probably fried steak or a chop. But that was all done separately. Not, And then they were given their own uh, and they were put on the ta- on the plate separately and they didn't even they didn't really touch would you consider that is a very you know that that's like uh, the equivalent of a very racist dinner where where the vegetables and the potatoes and the meat don't mingle in any way they have their own spot um so it was uh, probably uh, when I was 19, I saw my, I, I ate my first avocado. I didn't even know what it was. When I saw it, it was sliced up, it was, it was prepared, it was on it, it was a part of a salad. And I asked, what is that? Is that meat? <laughs> it was an avocado. Oh, man. Oh, God. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, I don't know what am I talking about. I'm just saying. I'm just comparing uh, food to to uh, multiculturalism. So, yeah. So and then I me- I remember my first olive. I was I was interrailing in uh, Europe and I was in Spain and I had no money. I was starving and I realised that every time you went for a drink or a coffee, there was free olives, and I didn't particularly like them, but I was starving. And I continued to eat them until I began to actually love them. Uh, so that was my first olives. God knows when I had my first pomegranate. <laughs> yeah. Not really taken to the pomegranate, to be quite honest. Uh, love the mango. Love the bloody mango. But I do remember, even when the kids were young as well, and, you'd, I'd, I'd, and some of their friends would come over. So this is not too long ago. Um, I remember, you know, some kids would go, what is that? They'd see a mango. I'd, ch- I'd chop it up and skin it and slice it up. And they'd go, what is that? And I just thought, come on. This is modern Ireland. There are m- Surely if you're in, an, in a supermarket and you go... There's a fruit I haven't tried, I haven't seen before. Would you not just bring it home? And once you've eaten a mango once, you can't go back. Mangoes are delicious. Not like an avocado. An avocado could be, you know, could be touch and go. But a mango, it's just like a deliciously beautiful, massive fruit that's crossed between a, a pear and an orange kind of without the citric part of it anyway so anyway getting carried away there um so this is an interview i'm chatting to dan bell who's uh as i've I've already uh given the lowdown on dan i'll also chat to some of the bands uh of uh some of love ghost and some of modern love and give you little clips of both of their music 
And uh, so enjoy the podcast. And uh, whatever you're at, concentrate on it. Don't don't be distracted by me. Just uh, you know, if you're driving or or especially if you're cutting f- vegetables, don't let me distract you. Enjoy, Dan Bell. Dan, uh, you live in L.A. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Denver, Colorado, for the most part. Okay, and uh, were you in drama then? I know you did a bit of acting, so uh, how did that how did that come about? Uh, honestly, I in my high school years, I was in a couple plays, but mostly I ran track. I was more of an athlete, and I went to college for one year on a track scholarship injured my back it was kind of like one of those stories and um in the meantime i always wanted to be an actor i came out to la one more year at a small college and i did a i don't know like maybe three four plays during the course of that year i got to play john merrick and the elephant man which kind of just wow. turned me and yeah. i did a summer stock that summer and at the end of that summer stock i said I'm not going to go back to college. I'm going to go be an actor. And of course, like, I mean, you know this, you're an actor. Everyone tells you, no, you need a backup plan. You're insane. What happens if this doesn't work out? What happens if this, you know, I mean, I'm not acting anymore. So, um, I mean, but I was kind of like, if you have a backup plan, you'll go with the backup plan. I, I say this to my son about music. I'm like, don't have a backup plan. There, you have, you can do other things in the arts and you should, but you know, don't study to be a doctor if you want to be an actor, right? <laughs> you yeah. should be an actor. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, I know a lot of people have done stand up though, and they 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 uh, were doctors actually, or lawyers, and and then just gave it up or dropped out of college or whatever, and went for stand up. But I guess they don't have a backup plan in that case. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> and so uh, then, how did you go about uh, becoming an actor? when you decided that's what you wanted to do? Uh, so I moved out to L.A. Uh, I knew I needed to study, so I got into the Strasbourg Institute immediately. And I didn't have any financial or family support in Southern California. I knew no one in town. So I became, uh, I took a series, like most of us do, like a series of just hardcore jobs. I was a messenger driving all over the city with a beeper. I mean, this was back in those days, you know, no cell phones. They beep me and say, you know, you got to get this over here. You got to get this over there. Come back to the office, grab this, you got to, you know. And so I would, I basically would work from seven in the morning till seven at night and then go to acting class at night. And I was doing plays as well on the side. That's how I kind of got into it. Just like, you know, um, it, it was definitely like skin of your teeth kind of stuff. Studying, doing a lot of theater, um, just around it, you know, mm. around it. And I knew I wanted to do film even more than theater, but I did both. Um, and, you know, I mean, you just, I don't know. I think if you just want it and do it enough, it, you know, eventually it happens. <laughs> right. And so uh, who were your contemporaries when you were starting out in acting? Or have any of them gone on to big things? Yeah, I mean, I came up alongside Mark Ruffalo, 
Jack Black. I did plays with Jack Black back yeah. in the day. Uh, Don Cheadle. What? Um, yeah, there were some guys back then that, um, you know, I was around or worked with on stage or had done, you know, little things here and there with who went on to have big careers and still do have big careers, mm. you know. I mean, it's funny, each one of them, when I saw them, Mark Ruffalo, the first time I saw him, was in a it was in a play, and I just immediately said, "You should be a star, man!" Like I never thought that about myself. I thought I should be a working actor, and I was. But you know, like he just had this it thing that I was like, "Holy crap, man! That guy yeah. is like you can't take your eyes off him," you know. And same with Jack Black. The first time I saw him in a movie, he was in a it was in a film that uh, Tim Robbins did I can't even remember the name of it now where he was like a political guy and Jack Black had a couple of t small scenes and um, I, I said the same thing to him I was like man you're going to be a huge star and Don Cheadle he was in this movie Colors and he played a kind of a it was a great part but a kind of still small part and I thought the same thing I was like man you made that movie you know uh, yeah. oh so Jack Black was in uh, I, I think I know that film it's like uh, some guys on the He's going for election, and it's kind of amazing. it's mock documentary, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's really good. I didn't know Jack Black was in that. Wow! Um, but you got you got some good roles. You you're in Wayne's World. How that come about? Uh, well, that was sort of a funny story. So, um, the casting director for that movie that was a guy named Glenn Daniels, and he had cast me in a couple of other smaller parts. He cast me in a movie with uh, that Sandra Locke, who used to be Clint Eastwood's girlfriend, directed. It was called Impulse. So. Right. You want me to take that back? Or? No, 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 no. Yeah. That's, okay. That's okay. We were just interrupted there by a guy called Fran. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, he had cast me in that. And so Wayne's World came about. And right away, he had me come in and read and said, like, oh, I think you'd be good for this part, told my agent. And I, I actually tanked the audition. I came in. You know, sometimes that happens. I went mm -hmm. in and just I was nervous and didn't do such a good job and kind of forgot about it. And I don't know, like three weeks later, my agent called and said, hey, Glenn Daniels called us, said he didn't think you were on your A game with this audition, but he still thinks you're right for this role. And they shoot tomorrow. Can you can you go in and, you know, read? Well, I went in and, you know, thinking like, oh, I'm just going to go in. And, well, there was like, you know, 25 guys in the lobby that looked like me. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. So, you know, at first you're kind of bummed out, but then I was like, okay, whatever. So it was like one of those deals where you go in the room, you do a read, you go out, they're like, wait outside, they come out, they call like 10 guys. You guys can all leave. And like there's 15 of us left, go back in, read another little scene come back out, okay, call another 10 guys, you guys can all leave, and then went back in, did another thing. Well, anyway, this happened like four times, and pretty soon I'm the only guy sitting out there, wow. and I go, go out there and wait, and I'm out there kind of by myself, and I'm pretty young, you know, so I was out there, it felt like forever, it was probably like five or 10 minutes, mm -hmm. and then they open the door, and they say, hey, come in here, we, we need to introduce you to someone, and I come in, and it's Mike Myers, wow. and he's like, he just was like the character, you know, he's like, How's it going, man? Yeah, cool. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, and talked to him for like a minute. And then he just kind of looked at, I swear to God, he looks at the casting director and does the thumbs up. He's like, yeah. like, you know. And then they said, okay, go back out there and went back out. And then they come out after a couple of minutes and they say, come somewhere else. They walk me through the Paramount lot, take me to another office. And they say, you got to wait here for one sec, go in there. And then they took me inside, and that was Lauren Michaels, and because oh, yeah. he produced it, mm -hmm. and they like so I had to meet him, talk to him for a few minutes, and then he kind of 
also gave the thumbs up and the next day i was shooting <laughs> wow what was the shoot like uh well i was in both of them it was really fun uh i was on it a lot so there was a lot of like just goofing around having fun you know we didn't carry the movie so we were allowed to um the first one was directed by penelope spheris who did these uh documentaries about one was about hair metal one was about you know i know those documentaries they're amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. so I was a huge fan of those. So yeah. I was almost more starstruck by her than yeah. Mike and Dana. I loved Wayne's World, though. but yeah. um, And she was like a hardcore, but really cool. I became really close friends with her. Subsequently, I did some TV shows she directed and whatever. But um, yeah, just really uh, intense, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. But it was cool. I made great friends. I, you know, I... I directed a film that I wrote myself, which we just made on a shoestring, and Dana Carvey asked me if he could do a part in it. He asked me. Wow. <laughs> like, I was like, you know, I'm, I don't have any money. I can't pay you. He's like, no, I'll fly down. I'll just do it. It'll be fun. And that's the kind of guy he is, you know. That's amazing. And then you were in Darkman as well with Liam Neeson. Mm. Yeah. Uh, was that after Wayne's World? Was it? Uh, that was... Right before Wayne's World that I did that. Um, and, yeah, that was actually cool. Sam Raimi, who made that, who's gone on and done a ton of great movies, you know, all the Spider-Man movies. and Well, he's just, you know, Evil Dead, everything he had done before that. But he just was cool. I mean, I went in to read for that for the first time, and he's in the room, which you never have. You know, usually, you, sometimes you don't never even meet the director till you're on set. But he was in the first call. And I went in and read... And then he was like, pretty good. He had me do it a few more times. Then he kind of read my thing and he was looking at, I had at that point done a number of like shorter films or, you know, I'd done a few, you know, just small movies. And he was kind of asking me about working with this person, working with that person. Then he just says to me, oh, it looks like a lot of people took a chance on you. And he goes, okay. Wow. That's nice. Yeah. And I, I kind of was like, does that mean I got this job? And I was driving because, you know, there's other people waiting to read. Yeah. And I'm driving home and my agents call me literally like 10 minutes later and said, oh, you got the part. Oh, wow. So, That's yeah. And then Liam was really cool. Um, so, you know, it, the concept of that movie is that he, he's, you know, horribly scarred and disfigured by this group of thugs who I was one of. And um, then he you know, he's working on this synthetic skin, but it only uh, works for like 90 minutes or something like that. I can't remember exactly. And so he basically makes these masks of each of the bad guys and, you know, kind of disrupts their... Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I had to have a scene where I was like him beating the shit out of me. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I really, at that point too, I was a young actor and I really wanted to get it right. And so I had asked him a few questions and he was like, oh yeah, just, you know, I'll, I'll, there will be a day where I'm going to have some time and I'll, I'll help you, you know? So yeah. he did, like there was a day and he came over and said, today's the day, Dan. And he comes over yeah. and he says, so he, he kind of went through the whole thing. This is what I was thinking of. My character, he's, he's, he's got a burn larynx so he can't talk. And he, he's a, I'm doing this kind of breath and like he can't really walk because his legs been injured. Like he basically went through his whole character, you know, arc for me of how yeah. he, how he developed the guy, how, the, because he knew I needed to play him just briefly and he yeah. wanted me to get it right too, you know? Ah, oh, that's really nice. Yeah. That's really cool. And so how did your acting, you're not acting now. So how, why did you, why did you give up on it? 
I wouldn't necessarily say I gave up on it. I I started writing and directing. I was still acting, but um, I started writing and directing. Got a few things off the ground. Um, my son was born. Um, just kind of because sometimes you have to do that. I started working in casting for someone else, and mm. I'd say within like two or three months, people just were asking me to do their jobs nonstop. And there was a part of me that was like, I did like it, you know, and I guess there was a part of me that was like, well, I'm going to see where this goes. And it just mushroomed to a point that I really couldn't act anymore. I was so busy doing right, that. Right, right. And I, I like casting. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, obviously, like, I mean, you're an actor, you know, it's like there's always that thing of like, you know, you, you know, the camaraderie with the other people bringing the character to life all that stuff of course like I miss all that but there's you know there's something like when you're in the arts because I still feel like I'm I'm in the arts and you you finally hit on something and you're like wow I guess I should be doing this because mm. I'm not advertising myself everyone's coming to me so that's what's happened to me with casting and so so what's it like though uh, as someone who has been on the other side of the casting uh, event or whatever it is uh, do you, would you go oh I, I know I was making mistakes back then if I'd, if I'd seen this like what advice would you give people as well when they go into cast, castings well for me as an actor I always carried a certain level of neuroses and like just hyper self-awareness and I, I don't like that was always my struggle of how do I get past this you know what mm. I mean like and sometimes I would and sometimes I wouldn't um, I don't know that there's any piece of advice I could give to an actor like you know well don't do this don't do that I guess the one thing I would say is I mean you, I think this comes with age too is um, it's it's not always about you and how well you did the biggest thing is just to be a pro and show up and do your best and prepare for the job and and treat it like a job even though it's like you know it's fun but it's a job we talked about that the other day but um i feel like um <clears throat> i think a mistake a lot of actors make is they just get too high and too low and i did that when i was younger mm -hmm. you know they get really up for this and then they feel like oh my god i didn't get that and like you know kind of beat themselves up or go into a black hole and then they come back up with something else and then they get a part and then they're, you know, buying drinks for everybody and then <laughs> they're not working for three months. And I mean, you know, those are the typical actor things, but yeah. I feel like, um, I mean, look, I don't know. All, all that stuff is part of being young and it's part of like, of course people are going to do that. But I, I, I guess for me, like looking back, I would say like, keep your eye on the long haul, you know, like it's, it's, it's not all about like, you know, this, you're not going to have this moment or at least most people won't where you're like, you know, this is it. This is turning my life around. You know, some guys do and that's great. And if you get that, that's fine. But even if you get that, you still have to keep yourself grounded and keep your head in the game. You know, mm. those that's the main advice I would say. And that like, it's not always about you. You could be the best person in the room. It doesn't mean you're going to get the part. But what it does do is it sets you up for... Others, like I said, this guy Glenn Daniels, he just thought I was good. He had cast me before. I tanked my audition, but he gave me a second chance. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
It's just a weird thing, um, auditions, because I always find I cannot stop, after the audition, I cannot stop going over it and going, I should have done this, I should have done that. It it goes on for about two or three. On my drive home, it's, I'm just going over it. And it's pointless because it's already done. But uh, I still, I don't think I can get over that. It's it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. I don't know, maybe I should sit in on it, watch some auditions <laughs> or something to, to get over it. Like a lot of the parts I've gotten, actually, just as the director or the writer just asked me to do the part. Yeah. And it's the best way, isn't it? You don't have to go through that awful auditions. So so, so now you're a casting agent for, for, what kind of casting agent are you? Well, oddly enough, because I started as an actor, I, I do a lot of like... Um, real people not reality but real people stuff like you know i don't know like they're doing like you know uh short like it's it's mostly advertising but it's like you know shorter form pieces or whatever for apple and they want like you know somebody who has used their technology who's blind and you know created this kind of like thing for handicap accessible people or did this or did that so i'm i'm searching these people out i'm interviewing them i'm doing all that kind of stuff so i do a lot of that then i also do a lot of scripted um a lot of the, a lot of advertising too i do some short film stuff but mostly i like the advertising thing cuz it moves so fast and my ego's not so into the casting it's a little bit more about like the money right now. <laughs> <laughs> Filthy lucre. <coughs> yeah. So uh, uh, we hooked up obviously because your son is in, uh, Finn is in a band called Love Ghost and my son is in a band called Modern Love. He wanted to tour Ireland and I set up a tour with the two bands. Uh, how do you think the tour went? I mean, I actually could not be happier. It, it wasn't what I think like all of us had in our heads coming over here. It was something actually much better in a weird way. But I think like before I left, um, you know, some I knew some Irish people and that all they told me was like, look, all the other gigs aren't going to matter, but you, you're getting to play Whelan's on Christmas week. You can't understand how incredible that is. It's going to be so packed. It's going to be, you know, they just sold me on that so hard. So I think when we were coming here and, you know, we flew in the day before and we played in Galway first and everyone was a little bit jet lagged. And of course we're like, the support band, the opening band. So the first show was was awesome. The people were really great, but small crowd. And yeah. then when Whelan's, for us anyway, when we played uh, Love Ghost, it was still like a pretty small crowd. It was it was okay, but um, I think what happened was as the tour went on, you know, we had a show in Kilkenny, which no tickets were sold, which we were wondering, you know, you you were wondering if we should back out of, and I said like no we'll go early we'll fly her and we'll do you know we'll do everything we can and we did do all that and even that was so uh it just bonded this band incredibly you know i think that like i talked to a friend of mine who's a producer back in la and i was kind of saying because the first show my son's pedal board fried and he was just out of sorts he got very upset and was kind of like in this headspace of like oh my god we traveled all the way over here i might not be able to play the show i don't you mm -hmm. know and um i had to kind of pull him aside and say look man you know you gotta hold it together for your band and mm -hmm. you know you're here and you're getting getting to play here well anyway 
I feel like he's come full circle, and by the end of the tour, he just, like, the last night his pedal board didn't work either, and he didn't care, and he just had fun, mm-hmm. and he played, and they still sounded great, you know? So yeah. I think that all that stuff, the tour's been fantastic, and for us, it's grown, you know? The mm-hmm. first couple shows, like, maybe their expectations weren't met, and by the end, I wasn't expecting anything out of these last shows, and, like, the yeah. show in Cork was fantastic for yeah. them, and, yeah, yeah it was just, like... Yeah, last night was also incredible. It was just like, yeah, so I I guess like it was the best case scenario because I think if it had gone the other way, which is what every Irish person I knew told me before I left, they said, I don't know about any of these other places. You guys will probably play to four or five people, but at Whelan's, you will play to people spilled into the street. And it kind of was the exact, yeah, that's what I had heard from people. (laughs) Uh, I, I wish people didn't say that to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, in fact, the last two nights, Love Ghost had their best gigs, I would have, I yeah. would have thought. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% think so. And yeah. the band has really come together, which is what I wanted the most. I didn't really care about the audience. Like, obviously, you have no control over that. And, like, they're both kind of up, you know, they're younger bands. They're, you know, because when we play in L.A., too, like, one show will have, like, they played some shows. I mean, their biggest show ever was maybe 400 people, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they That's somewhere crazy. between like 50 and 100 people usually mm-hmm. when they play. But, you know, and then sometimes you'll have a show where there's like 20 people or whatever. Um, so it's not like I, I was realistic. I was like, well, we're going overseas where no one knows us. Of course, like <laughs> this is even going to be harder. But um, but I, I, I wasn't so like, um, I don't know how you felt about this. I wasn't so wanting oh like just pack shows and all this stuff i i really wanted for them as a band to really gel and care about themselves as much as their music Mm -hmm. and to really just come together and that has happened on this trip for sure Mm -hmm. you know and they've gotten the experience of touring and seeing what it's like and how hard it is and also how great it is you know yeah i mean booking the show at the beginning I found it difficult with some of the venues. Not not all of the venues. Williams actually were amazing. They were always coming back to me straight with stuff and very positive. Some of the venues were a bit... Uh, one venue I sent posters to and we arrived and none of them were up. And uh, uh, one venue closed uh, after I booked it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was difficult. I think because the neither of the bands are known that, that I wasn't getting in total cooperation. One venue... Gave me one date, and then it turned out it was a different date. But there you go. So it was is tough in that sense. I found it so much more different to booking my own gigs. People know me, I guess. I guess that's it. But I took that for granted. I, did, I, I didn't realize then when you're a totally unknown how how much more difficult it is to deal with some of the venues. You're, they're kind of wow, who cares kind of vibe. Um, so, but then, as, as uh, I would agree with you that as the tour went on, it became a really cool journey for the band, for the modern love, I presume for your guys as well. Uh, they started off with big rock and roll ideas. So <laughs> I think they wanted to be like Black Sabbath on the road or something like that. <laughs> and then learned that you can't really exist like that. And, uh, and, and I think... Kilkenny was the gig that they probably enjoyed the most and as you say I was I was about to pull that gig so 
thanks to you guys thanks to you Dan and I, actually you guys went out and flyered and everything and then this big group of um, lovely looking American girls just turn up and, and they're dancing away to the band and, and they were buzzing Modern Lover buzzing after that so yeah. Yeah, it was quite a journey it was a, it was a brilliant journey and it was great to meet you Dan and your wife Jude and the, and the, ba- and the rest of the guys in the band really, really cool guys and you know they've the two bands have bonded together as well so yeah. it's been great well, I do have to say I have to say one thing that's funny about Kilkenny because so originally you had a show booked in Limerick on the third, and then the Cork show was going to be the fifth, but then the, that got changed to the third, and I I really wanted to call you and say like. Uh, can we not do Cork? Because I really wanted to go to Limerick, and mm. that Limerick show probably would have been like a ten-person show. I think, <laughs> that, yeah, and and then the Cork thing was the best show for Love Ghost in terms of audience and whatever. And uh, I think that, um, yeah. So you just never know. Like you were saying with the Kilkenny thing, like you wanted to pull out. Like sometimes, like that's why. You, I think there's some things I can tell my son because I've been on the journey as an actor and just in show business in general that I know is right. But then there are other things like that where I just feel like, man, you just don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, you really don't know what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, it's like... uh uh, yeah, I mean, Not In Love had a tough one in Cork because they went on really late and uh, and and they saw an audience just go, you know, so. I'll, I'll leave with this if we have to sign off. But so there's a producer in L.A. who these guys have started to work with briefly, like he's done a, come in and worked on a couple of rehearsals and he's been texting me, asking me how things are going. And um, I said to him, you know, oh, after the first night, Finn's, uh, Finn's pedal board blew up. Things were uh, not going so well. I'm going to see if I can find this so I can just read it verbatim what he wrote to me because I thought it was so awesome. I sent it to the rest of the band. Um, I know this is going to take a minute. Uh, Okay, so he says to me, uh, I said to him, first of all, um, I think they played well. Crowds have been smaller but enthusiastic. The band is touring, which is good. We're all tired. Um, We're glad to have a break, you know, and I had, mentioned to him previously i said there's been some really tense moments finn's pedal board fried the kids are really emotional right now and he writes embrace the stress that's the best part they ain't gonna learn shit from everything going well the drama's gonna put hair on their chest as a band um looking forward to picking up when they get back and i yeah i feel like that to me was the best thing for them to hear and it was the best thing for me to hear because that's true i think the hard things have made them closer better they've had some moments with each other where they you know had some difficulties even me with them but i feel like overall that's made all of them better as a band musicians even my son with his pedal board you know he's so like he loves his pedals and creates all these different sounds but he played without it the last night, and like you said, you thought it was like their best gig. Like mm-hmm. you don't even notice, and he was freed himself to like jump around and move around and bring so much energy, and you know. Yeah, no, it's absolutely brilliant, and uh, uh, just from the modern love side, they, they haven't spent that much time together probably consecutively, and they all go, they're getting on well. They're they're which is good. It's good. It really. It's as important as the music that the band can just become a band of a gang you know and it's them against 
the world. Yeah. So it's been good. And the second leg would hopefully will be in LA. So that's Yeah. We were talking about that with these guys and uh yeah, we're hoping that if you guys can come out, you know, like I said, I, I know I can get us a show in one of the big venues. These guys seem like they're very interested in the Troubadour, which is probably our favorite place that we have played personally. It's great. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll hopefully go down and do a show in San Diego, up in Ventura. Um, we'll do the same kind of thing. I mean, it's a, it's different in Southern California because things are kind of a straight line up the coast. You know, it's not like Ireland where we can bop here and there and whatever. Yeah. And maybe even go up to San Francisco if you guys are game, you know. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it'll be fun. But the L.A. shows for sure will be great you know the other ones just like you guys they won't know us in those yeah. places but <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the guys would love that and I, I want to get out there as well do a bit of stand up maybe you know as well yeah. while I'm out there so it's been a pleasure Dan thank you It's over now. We're just having a little party tonight, just to to uh, celebrate. But how did it go for you? Man, the tour is amazing. Um, Ireland is probably the greatest place I've ever been. I love yeah. it more than my hometown. Oh, yeah, yeah. Man, Ireland is amazing. Everybody's so nice. The music scene is amazing. Yeah. The food is amazing. Oh yeah, man. I just everything is awesome here, man. Okay. I got into rolling rollies too. That's fucking. That's amazing. <laughs> Man, it's just like, man. Uh, nobody rolls their cigarettes in, in L.A., you know? <laughs> yeah, for real. We're too lazy. <laughs> so how long have you been uh, playing music? Um, my parents are both musicians. Uh, my dad is a jazz guitarist, and my mom's an R&B singer. Um, yeah, so I've kind of been around music all my life. Um, I picked up the drums about 10 about 10 or 11 um, and I've been playing ever since and yeah okay. I also play uh, bass and guitar too but. okay and how did you hook up with Love Ghost um I actually I went to a music school and so I kind of knew Finn yeah. through that and um years later we kind of I didn't have a band they hit me up yeah. and we ended up okay, hitting cool. it off right okay um, well you're an amazing drummer thank you uh, I know our, our modern love Keen, the drummer in Modern Love, has been very impressed. Man, <laughs> I'm impressed by Keen, too. He's one of the best drummers I've definitely heard. All right, cool. Well, listen, thanks a lot. Uh, it was great to meet you, and I hope you enjoyed the tour. Oh.
tour is over. We've only we've got one more night. Where we're gonna have a bit of fun. So how did the tour go for you? It was really really fun. I had a great time. Um, I love this country. Um, I just love how green everything is. How everything is so fertile here. I mean, I was not expecting that. And once I got out the uh, got out of the um, uh, the plane, that was the yeah. first thing I noticed. Because oh. back in LA, everything is like smogged and like whatever, and all the grass is like fake if there is any. And then, so it's oh, like, wow, well, it, this is winter time. It's uh, what you should come back in the summer. Yeah, and it's really green. Yeah. <laughs> So I think you had a few uh, hiccups along the way. So your uh, your pedal board didn't work for first night as well, was it? Yeah, when we first got there, literally I plugged my pedal board in, and it has American and uh, Irish plugs are different. Mm-hmm. You know, like the outlets, and we bought this adapter for it, and I plugged it in, <laughs> like this yeah. huge like boom happened, yeah. and it just completely the pedal board like fuse just completely like snapped just completely out so basically i had to kind of like we had to take apart all the pedals and like install like run down to the store and grab batteries and just a super diy like all the equipment just on the floor like plugged in one to the next just kind of but i know we got through it and the same thing happened again actually in uh, the last show of the tour we bought a new fuse for it and even just getting it was a struggle. It was like we went to this one guy's place. He's like, "Oh yeah, bro! Like I got the I got the power outlet." And then we we went to him, and he was like, "Yeah, bro, I got the pedal board case." He just had like the case for the pedal board. Like what? He made us like drive all the way out. He's like, "Yeah, bro, you wanted the pedal board case, right?" I was like, "No, what are you talking about? We had to get the like the power outlet, you know, like the yeah, the adapter." Yeah. And he's like. Oh no, we don't have that. No, no. Oh, so, then, wow. so then we had to like drive around, and eventually some like local guy was like, "Oh hey, I I, I know a place that will sell this." Yeah. Yeah. So he got us in this in our car. We just drove over there. And we got it. But even that thing on the last uh, last night it fried, and yeah. I just ended up playing with no pedals last night. But it was still it was still fun. That was a great gig last night. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost like, I feel like one of the best shows that Love Ghost has played. So maybe it's just like, maybe I don't even need the pedals, you know? Maybe. I think for Love Ghost, it went straight up. It got kept getting better and better. Yeah, in the tour. Sure. So that's really cool. So you, this is your thing now. You're going to go full time. Like you're finishing school or what we call school. high school, yeah. And I'm probably not going to go to college. So I'm just going to play music and... I don't know, maybe I'll, like, get a day job at a strip club or something, but <laughs> I'll be the stripper. And, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, music. It's all about music for me. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and I guess it's very different in America. It's such a vast country. Yeah, you could probably tour for years. Exactly. I mean, like, you know, America is kind of like 50 Irelands in a way, you know, because it's so many different states and so long i mean you know you can just like just tour in southern california you know you, you can have like two weeks of shows worth of just southern california you know mm. so it's like it's crazy yeah yeah cool well listen it's been a pleasure meeting you and hopefully we'll uh, we'll meet up again in la for another yeah. the second leg of the tour that'd be awesome i'm excited for that yeah bringing modern love out to la that'd be really really cool thank you thank you
first tour of anywhere of Ireland uh, but uh, what did you learn from the tour um, we learned a lot it was quite a new thing for us because we're used to doing you know a gig every month or so or every couple of weeks so having to do that many gigs in a row it was we had to be on the ball we had to be organized we had to have our gear and equipment you know, ready to go for each for each gig. I think one thing we learned is uh, that we need to take better care of our bodies <laughs> and ourselves, and eating healthy. Because we uh, we had a an incident at the court gig where our drummer passed out. Not not even from you know drinking or anything. Or he got sick and passed out before we we were supposed to go on. And fainted after the gig, and that's just, you know, purely from lack of sleep mm. and malnourishment. Like, <laughs> so I think that's one of the one thing we've definitely learned. Okay, and what what was your highlight of the tour? Uh, for myself, it was probably the Whelan's gig. Mm. Um, for the other lads, they they really liked Kilkenny, which was kind of a surprise. Uh, because we we received a phone call the day before that gig, you know, uh, telling us that there was no interest at all mm. in the in people coming to the show, and we almost did, but we decided why not? We'll just do it anyway, and we ended up you know filling the room. So that was a nice like mm. unexpected surprise, and that made that made that gig very, you know. It was, there was a vibe about it, and yeah, it was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of my favourites as well. Cool. So yeah, thanks. And uh, I think hopefully we get. To, would you like to go to LA and do the second half of what this this tour should be? Really, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think anyone could say no to to going to LA. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be very expensive, but uh, why not? 
let's do it like mm. uh, I'd love to do that and I really we really bonded well with the Love Ghost guys so I'm sure they'd be happy you know to do it again um, yeah okay. hopefully soon hopefully soon thank you Daniel from Modern Love talking earlier. That song is Island by Modern Love. There's a few more songs on Spotify for Modern Love, Us, Dislocate, Sounds You Make. And earlier I was talking to Samson and Finn from Love Ghost. And uh, you can find them on Spotify too. They've um, quite a few singles and an album. Um, Girl Pusher. in my head again as an album and yeah parasitical identity and uh, I was talking to Dan Bell earlier on Uh, so I uh, have a few gigs coming up um, some of them with Patrick MacDonald what uh, we're in uh, we're in uh, the Roisin Dove on the 25th and 26th of January we're in the I'm in the Patriot Inn on the 30th of January, myself and Patrick are back in the Laughter Lounge on the 31st of January and 1st of second, and 2nd of February. And we're doing a new show of sketches and stand-up, myself and Patrick, in the Viking in Clontarf. It's called Culchi Warriors and it's on the 8th and 9th of February in the Viking Theatre, just above a pub there in Clontarf. 
and after that we're doing the Bray Festival on the 15th and we're doing Dicey's in Ballyshannon up in Donegal on the 23rd of February and um, lots more then in March but sure we leave it at that so uh, yeah well um, God you know it's been uh, it's the start of a new year I started training for the Connemara Marathon which I did last year and I'm and this will be my second marathon. Ran last night three miles, and then I just up it for the next twelve weeks. And uh, hopefully, I'll stay injury free, and I'll get that done in a slightly faster time, at least. And that's that's it. So uh, I don't know when the next podcast will be out. Um, as I said, you know, on the last one, I'm trying to get Brendan Gray still. Um, and a few other people are, yeah. But uh, hey, I'll talk to you then. Okay, goodbye. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today.